0: everyone hello before we get started this week a quick request for you to let us know what you think please leave us a review on apple Podcasts, rate and review that is or send us an email at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com we are working through a bunch of requests right now this book is a request that we're about to cover and we got more in the pipeline so if there's something you've been thinking about that's kind of lost on the fringes of your nostalgic memories let us know And we'll put it on the list. That's right. And now, the episode. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm Grace.
1: And I am Madeline.
0: And we're Dragon Babies.
1: Dragon Babies.
0: Read our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Yeah. This week, Crown Duel by Sherwood Smith. Crown Duel. A special announcement this week's episode is a listener request. Yeah. And it was requested by Aaron. Thank you so much, Aaron, for writing in. Anyone else who'd like to submit a request, just get in touch, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Because we'll probably do it eventually. (laughs) I love that as our tagline. (laughs) We'll probably do it eventually. (laughs) No commitment. (laughs) No promises. (laughs) Just an indefinite amount
1: of time and a likelihood that it will happen. Should I launch into, veer left, Madeline's Law Corner. We are not making any promises. That's why our language is purposefully ambiguous. No. Expect nothing. How many times do I have to say <laughs> Madeline's Law Corner is never happening again? Okay. Anyone who writes in this episode, please give Madeline's Law Corner a shout out so that Grace will stop shutting but it down. But first,
0: listen to our We Free Men episode so you know why Madeline's Law Corner was outlawed. Thank you. So, Crown Jewel, quickly before we get into it, Madeline had a familiarity with this book when we were kids. I didn't, and um, so I feel like I'm in Uncharted Waters, um, but I'm usually excited the about opposite. it. Yeah, usually the opposite way around, um, but I loved reading it as an adult, having had no prior exposure, um, so thanks again, Erin, for recommending that we
1: check it out. Yeah, you go, Aaron.
0: As usual, we will do a marketing breakdown, just talking about the cover of the book's edition that we had, um, and also the way that the publishers chose to you know, describe it. <laughs> Basically, wondering why the plot summary on the back cover is as bad as it is. That's how this segment usually goes. I haven't looked at this books yet, so.
1: it's It's just a giant spoiler. Are you kidding? It just says that they won. What? <laughs> yeah, and then most of it is dedicated to the second half of the book.
0: Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. First, what does the cover look like, Madeline? And also, can you give us a little disclaimer about exactly what it is
1: that we did read? Because this book is often packaged with another. So this book, it says on this cover, too, originally published as the two books, Crown Duel and Court Duel, because it's like, it's two parts. Um, they're, the two books are pretty different. Uh, uh, But Sherwood
0: Smith said more recently That she had always kind of thought of them as
1: one story Which Mm -hmm. is why they're now mostly being sold in this edition Yes, so it makes sense that they would have put them together But we just did the first one I like this cover It's just a picture of her face And she's got a sword kind of over her shoulder
0: And she and her in this instance is Malaria, the protagonist Malaria,
1: yeah Um, The with the cover is i don't feel like it really goes with this book um and additionally she's very this picture very clearly portrays a woman wearing makeup Mm -hmm. and um that's just crazy based on the character of who malaria is
0: i mean the entire book is about how disgusting she looks all the time yeah and beyond that how she's never thought about her appearance in her life
1: Right. So it's, she's so conventionally beautiful on this cover. And then she just has like a little smudge of dirt on her face. Mm-hmm. And, a and
0: they don't show off her hair the way that they should, because yeah. that's such, when you think of Mel's appearance, it's her hair. That's what we keep getting details about. And that's what she's recognized for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really surprised they didn't have the, if not flowing free, at least the braids wound around her head.
1: Yeah. So, I like this cover, but it feels like it's for a different book mm-hmm. in summation. Uh, and yeah, like there's a What's little...
0: What's behind her?
1: It's a battlefield. There's like some puddles. It's strange. <laughs> I feel like this art but, is a weird choice.
0: Um, and yeah, I'll also it looks say like for a different book. The reason I didn't—I mean, part of the reason I didn't read this—you know—a book that was in our house—the cover looks um, like not the is, kind of book I would want to read. Yeah, it's not an appealing cover. Yeah. There's a lot of um, browns in the background. It looks pretty dry. And the thing is, it is a book that's almost entirely about battlefields and political intrigue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much more interesting than the cover lends you to lends itself to be.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. She looks kind of like Alana. That's what I thought looking at it. I was like, oh, it's Alana. Yeah, (laughs) I do
0: think that this cover
1: capitalizes on Tamara Pierce fans. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right, I will now read the back. Battle on and off the field with sword and fan, with might and manners. It begins in a cold and shabby tower room where young Countess Meliara swears to her dying father that she and her brother will defend their people from the growing greed of the king, That promise leads them into a war for which they are ill prepared, a war that threatens the homes and lives of the very people they are trying to protect. And then next paragraph, but war is simple to what follows when the bloody fighting is done and when a fragile peace is at hand. So they just spoiled the entire first book.
0: Well I'll finish. I mean they basically say there's a happy ending, which is pretty
1: you can pretty much figure out for uh, it's a brutal first half of the book. I really thought it could go south. Okay, continue. Although she wants to turn her back on politics and the crown, Meliara is summoned to the royal palace. There, she soon discovers friends and enemies look alike, and intrigue fills the dance halls and the drawing rooms. If she is to survive, Meliara must learn a whole new way of fighting, with wit and words and secret alliances. In war, at least, she knew whom she could trust. Now she Well, can this trust. is about Cord tool. Now she <laughs> trusts no one. i have written the whole bag. Okay, okay. Features a never-before-published story by Sherwood Smith. Which we didn't read. <gasps> There's a blurb from Tamra Pierce. Oh, my gosh. Okay. A realm in trouble. A spirited female hero with magic to surround her. Mystery romance. An enigmatic marquee court etiquette and secret messages. This is the stuff of dreams. Tamra Pierce, author of Protector of the Small. So they're absolutely capitalizing totally, on it. Yeah. Totally. They literally have her name on the That's back super of super funny. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I... Uh, I will say, like we wanted initially to read both Crown Duel and Court Duel, but as you can tell by the fact that we haven't put out an episode in a month,
1: <laughs> life's been busy.
0: Yeah. So busy around here, we do really want to try to get back on our regular schedule of an episode every two weeks, and this is first step. And you know, we've we've got Crown Duel for you, so here we are. So. Uh... Um, I also need to say, I realized that I was mispronouncing Meliara's name. I was saying Malaria, like Melania. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought maybe like That's Malaria. Where my <laughs> so, yeah. where my
0: brain is these days. No. Um, but yes, Meliara, I'm sorry. Also, just right now, we're going to take the chance to do our pronunciation disclaimer mm-hmm. that we should include in every episode. Yeah. Don't always, but here we are. So, Crown Duel, I'll give everyone who hasn't read the book in a while or who may have never read it a very quick plot synopsis. It's a very fast read. It is a fast read. It's pretty straightforward. Um, there are supposed betrayals, but in the end, it's all really just misunderstandings due to an angry teenager.
1: <laughs> because she hates, Meliara hates Chevraeth
0: yeah, so hates much. The Marquis. Um, for really reasons that are hard to understand by the Honestly, end of the
1: book. Honestly, she's, I, I think it's just that she's been prejudiced against yeah. rich people. She because, is and they grew up so biased poor. against him. They grew up so poor. Like even when she meets like the wealthy farm people and they're like really mm-hmm. confused by her because she keeps being like, oh, this oh, is I'm, richer I'm than i ever had. I'm
0: usually barefoot. Right. I'm a countess, but I wear a horse blanket, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, because they are
1: desperately poor.
0: Maliara's county, her homeland, Talanth, is a part of a larger kingdom called Ramalna. Um, And the king of Ramalna has been doing a lot of really awful things. He's raised taxes four times in the last 10 years. He is also potentially conspiring to break the covenant, which is an agreement that was made between the indigenous magical people of the land and the humans that came. No, not human. They're not. And the humans that came to populate that land that was made many years ago and is a governing contract that all beings exist under. And the indigenous creatures, the hell folk, provide Fire sticks, which is really the source of light and heat and just really, really important and necessary, as well as different spells. Um, And it seems in a lot of ways like they've given humans what they need to know to survive in the Mm -hmm. land. We don't know a lot about the history there. Um, so
1: we get a prologue.
0: Yeah, we, we get a really pa- jam packed yeah. prologue and then not much more. So it, it does like the
1: first seven minutes of uh, Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. <League. laughs> yeah.
0: It does leave me wanting to read more of Sherwood Smith's yeah. books. Um, I'm really curious about do that. Do they whole all take book.
1: place in this universe? you know? Mm-hmm. So
0: I know that Sherwood Smith was interested in creating a uh, Um, a world that she was kind of attempting to shape as a more ideal reality than ours in a lot Mm. of ways. Um, So it's a fictional land called Sartorius Deles. I might be mispronouncing that. She's been writing about it her whole life. Um, And she wanted to write about humans of different races coming to live in a land where there were these other indigenous beings And how the two of them came together in a more successful and respectful way than has happened in our own colonial societies. Yeah, because in this
1: book, literally, the indigenous people have all the power.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Like they had the uh, colonizers had to make a pact with mm -hmm. the indigenous people or they would have been screwed. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And she actually she had a quote um, talking about inventing this world, which said the indigenous life forms appalled by these things that came through and started multiplying and spreading out, carrying their diseases and wars, tried to fix things for the humans. Their history is not all happy. It's very strange. And humans still have many human problems. But in other ways, they are somewhat different from Earth. Mm. So. Kind of a yeah, just a different version of our of our own kind of society. Yeah. Um, and she also said that Sartorius deles is similar to New Zealand, so that's why it's so dang beautiful. Um, beautiful. So it, I'm I'm curious to learn more about it. Yeah, I know that she has other um, a few other books about it, as well as a prequel about the Marquis' life. Cool. So. The king is breaking the covenant, he's taxing the people, Talanth just can't pay the taxes at this point. And that's so why they're so poor. They are being um conquered, I guess is what I should say. I mean, they're already a part of the kingdom, but the king has decided he's going to completely like overtake them and lay waste to them, essentially. Um and Meliara and her brother Bran, who are the
1: well, the king says he's going to break the covenant.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm jumping ahead.
1: Oh, and, I see. Yeah, I see.
0: Um, so Mel- Meliara and her brother Bran, who are the heirs to the to Talanth. Mm-hmm. Well, Bran is Meliara. He promised half his title to, and they're you know they're in it together. She's a countess. Um, their mother and father are both dead, and they are basically pulling together a ragtag crew to start a war against the king. It's very Rohan-esque, like that's the situation underdog, that we're in. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much a 14 against 10,000 sort <laughs> of situation, to quote the original Hobbit cartoon. And they go to war against the king, who yeah. sends out a variety of different um, cronies against them. versus the Baron Debigri?
1: Is Debigri, who's like the king's cousin.
0: And is your stereotypical, just repulsive, entitled monster. Yeah. Um Then Debigri is just thoroughly humiliated by... Maliara and Bran and their
1: forces. They, they know put, the lay of the land. They know the land.
0: They put itching powder, itchwort yeah, <laughs> in itch their uh, tents and pepper in their food and all kinds of little tricks to just mm-hmm. kind of undercut them. Yeah, they um, up them. And then the command is given over to a different nobleman, um, the Marquis de Severeith, is that mm-hmm. how it's pronounced? Savareth. I'm sorry. Madeline to the audiobooks, so I'm, I'm behind um, when it comes to pronunciation. And... During the course of his command, he uh, captures Meliara, um, and it becomes clear that like something might be a little different about him. From
1: the very beginning, yeah. She can like barely even accept who he is, because she has such firm ideas about mm-hmm. who he's supposed to be.
0: And she's not interested in seeing him as anything other than you know. a... What does she call a him? A court not a court device, a court decoration. decoration. A court yeah. decoration. She calls him
1: fob and decoration. And just like, she's heard all these rumors about how he's supposed to not be able to do anything but like buy new clothes. Um, clearly rumors, which he's encouraged because mm-hmm. they make him seem less threatening because he he's, turns out he's got a plan. Spoiler Yeah, secretly yeah.
0: planning to overthrow the evil king. Yes. And Mel is pulled along on that journey. She spends most of the book either a prisoner or on the run. Um, she suffers brutal injuries and illnesses, um, sleeps in, under way too many ferns. <laughs> Get that out there right now.
1: It's filthy.
0: It is disgusting.
1: <laughs> she's She gets to take a bath like twice in the entire book. And otherwise I know, this just
0: section's just about baths. sorry.
1: Running or really hiding. Really Yeah, no, I'm so happy whenever she gets and a bath. She gets clean. Because um, she just seems miserable
0: but through it all she's indomitable she really is indomitable she's faced with um both the prospect of and then near torture multiple times Mm -hmm. um and she knows throughout that she is not going to give up talanth or any of their plans for attempting to overthrow the king and uphold the covenant and in the end she makes it through seboraeith Severaeith? I should have written. Severayeth. Mm-hmm. Um Severaeith upholds his promise. He actually was being honest when he said that he was trying to overthrow the king. And
1: <laughs> Meliari um, is constantly assuming the absolute worst of him. Anytime anything bad happens, this she's like, Severaeith's fault.
0: The Marquis! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, through it all, she is like at living in a world that you know she's been a remote part of her whole life but that she's never actually experienced firsthand
1: well and you can also chalk it up to the fact that she's sleep deprived she's exhausted she's, she's has injured, a she's horrible sick.
0: fever yeah for most of the book
1: mm-hmm.
0: um at any time that she you know just pitches off of whatever stolen horse she's on i'm yeah. like oh yeah it's because her brain is on fire
1: yeah
0: yeah. Um, but she survives and and her brother does too. So I reminded um,
1: myself of that when I was like, Miliara, come on, be cool. Because I was just like, oh, right, she's out of her she's, mind. Yeah, she's
0: really operating from a uh, just an unsteady place.
1: And she feels like she has to speak for both herself and her brother because she feels like her brother can't, you know, pull that train by himself
0: and you know, just. Okay, so end of plot summary for now. <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into different points here and there. But I want to talk a little bit more about Mel. Um, she is obviously the badass lady of the book. Um, there are a lot of badass ladies in this book. Mm-hmm. And when I say badass lady, let me clarify for new listeners. We use the badass lady meter to discuss our You know, outstanding female protagonists that are in the books that we read. We're not trying to qualify that you have to be a badass to be a respectable lady or anything like that. It's just kind of her own little game for how we. Just a phrase that we
1: use to talk about women who are awesome in any way, shape, or form.
0: Exactly. Um, So Mel is seventeen years old. She has spent her life in a very isolated um, and. You know, in a lot of ways, I I don't want to say that it's rudimentary. Or anything like that. But she, she didn't learn how to read and write until for, the yeah. year prior, I and think they still say. she can't
1: write very well. Um,
0: she's excellent with numbers. She manages their finances for all of Talanth to right. try to scrape together enough taxes really to pay their tyrant.
1: It's just she's not very educated because they have to worry about surviving. It's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of thing. Exactly.
0: Well, and she's also in a lot of ways kind of socially stunted. Um, she reflects a few different times throughout the book that her friend is who who is about the same age as her. Um, She goes through her uh, flowers day. Is that what it's called? Flower day. Flower day. um, When essentially adolescent women become of the age where they're thought that they're able to marry. And I appreciate Sherwood Smith for, you know, not being one of those authors who's like, I'm going by what happened in medieval times. And like the girls are 12 when they get married. She aged them up a little bit. So Mm -hmm. they're like 18, I think, is what we're meant to presume when they have their flower days. And Mel is thinking to herself, you know, I'm totally not interested in men, but beyond that, I'm not interested in having my flower day. I don't, I don't want to do the dance with the adults. I, I really want to dance with the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, you know, she, I think she spent so much time thinking about these, really grave and traumatic experiences that she's gone through, as well as what she's trying to accomplish for the kingdom Mm -hmm. to think about this kind of, she doesn't have
1: any space or time to think about herself.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, she also, I I really like her character because she's fueled by her anger. Um, and even in the moments when she's completely sapped of strength and emotional reserve Mm -hmm. too, in so many ways, um, she draws on the, fury that's simmering inside her at the king breaking the covenant um she also is very close with the hill folk mm-hmm. closer than a lot of other humans are yeah um she spent a lot of time with them growing up they live in the mountains talanthas in the mountains um and were you know it, it kind of dropped through different clues here and there that the hill folk are at a closer um proximity proximity to the mountains than to the rest of the kingdom yeah
1: because it's more like at the fringe of the centralized area
0: so she feels true outrage at the disrespect involved in the king attempting to break the covenant and smaller things like the king's forces using arrows which it was outlawed in their covenant um, that they couldn't use bows and arrows in battle it's a um, war crime. as well as setting traps for humans um, bear traps basically and ironically it is a bear trap her brother sets that takes her down and causes her to be captured yep. and creates a festering wound that we get to hear about time and time
1: throughout the entire book, the book. The entire book
0: i have a bad ankle and it's actually been bothering me a little bit lately for whatever reason and um reading about her trying to walk <laughs> dozens of miles on her badly wounded infected ankle was pretty gut-wrenching didn't feel good. I had my ankle up on a pillow while I was reading it. And I was still like,
1: poor, "My poor little poor Ma- Meliara, he screwed me up." I Grace. know.
0: I'm really sorry, everyone. We're struggling with your name, um, Mel. Mel. So I like all of that. I think there are some unique components there, and I appreciate that. No one none of the good folks mock her for her beliefs. Um, and I think part of the problem is Severeth is so courtly, So he hides everything. Yeah. He really never has a fully open emotional moment with yeah. her, which she hates. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why she um, despises him so much. Uh, and even in the end, he's never really like,
1: Honest looked or her open eye to or, eye and
0: said, Okay, this is how I feel. This is yeah. why I'm doing
1: this. He's yeah. just explained. His father does.
0: Yeah, a little more so. More his father's so they're very does. reserved. They're a yeah. reserved family. Um but his and, father at
1: least like tells her what the plan was.
0: Well, and the two of them are really interesting counterpoints, Mel and Severith, because she is a total outsider who's attempting to overthrow the king. And he is a total insider attempting to overthrow the king. And obviously he's going to be more successful because he knows how the rules work. She doesn't have any kind of rule book. She's basically just (laughs) coming in screaming with her sword raised in the air. And I love the moment when she Steals a horse while dressed as a stable boy, essentially, a castle livery person, um, and blacks out while she's on the horse because she's so sick. So the horse goes home. And the horse goes home. (laughs) And the next morning, the daughter of the man who owns the horse is like, you're either that missing countess or you're the worst horse thief (laughs) in the kingdom. (laughs) And the things she does again and again—it's—it's it's so clear that she's like throwing all this sheer force of yeah. will up against the world. That's
1: all that's carrying. But her forward. then
0: the will gets guided along the lines that are already set up by that yeah. society, and she just doesn't know how it she works. Gotta go through it.
1: Gotta go around it.
0: Yeah, and, and I love that. Um, you know, she doesn't have huge successful. Battlefield moments. She's mm-hmm. not a stereotypical, like, yeah. knight hero. Yeah. But it's her ideas for the little ways that they can overthrow the forces and just irritate the hell out of them, yeah. basically, that um, undercuts them it's and her tenacity. makes the king so furious that he starts to, you know, not pay as much attention to Severaith and allow for his ultimate downfall. Mm-hmm. So I just talked a really long time. I'm sorry. But what do you like about Mel?
1: Oh, I mean, I was I was participating in that conversation. I I don't have too much to add. Into Do you remember your childhood perception of her versus Dependently from that? Well, I would say that I found her. Um, well, when I was a child, I had a lot more like you know, I was at least somewhat indoctrinated by society. I liked princesses and the more like traditional stereotypical. I I was frustrated with her for not like dating boys and I know this makes me sound like such a lame little kid
0: and they call it towing and yeah
1: towing um because I was like oh but that's that's what you should do or meeting a flirt right because that's they what, call what it I wanted I guess um but it's interesting because comparing it with that now um because I was a really like ugh, just such an awkward child teenager 20 year old (laughs) and it's now i really appreciate her that she's just like a total outsider in all these ways Mm -hmm. and that she's doing her own thing and uh, yeah i i just feel completely differently about her now before i was like frustrated and kind of pissed at her that she wasn't a traditional heroine when i was a little girl but now i'm like really as a full-grown woman and an adult I'm really happy um, with just her her tenacity and her ability to keep herself going through circumstances that would crush any other human
0: absolutely really well put I mean this book falls under the category of um, fantasies where you're just watching an impossible amount of brutal occurrences take place in the hero's path and the hero just doggedly continuing to crawl forward through the mud (laughs) on their hands and knees reminding me
1: a little of um hero in the crown that's exactly what i was about to say yeah
0: Yeah. um if you haven't listened to our hero in the crown episode check it out Um, read
1: that book it's amazing
0: yeah and i mean we never really announce our next book ahead of time but we're going to cover another robin mckinley book next so, stay tuned. But which one will it be? Ooh! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> Sounds of intrigue. Um, absolutely. intrigue. Absolutely. The I mean, arguably, Erin, uh, the protagonist of Hero and the Crown, goes through more physically than Mel does. Because well, she goes over like, her whole because life. Because she's... Um, well, she's also charred within an inch of her life by a dragon and then she has to recover alone right in a, um, in a stream in the stream yeah
1: so, with, with her horse
0: fortunately every time mel um passes out due to pain or fever a kindly hand
1: is there to help yeah, her when the, she the gods are watching over her because she passes out with the like exception with the exception
0: of a couple times when she has fallen into enemy hands I for, mean
1: for sure but she never but the just thing gets is, straight up like moidled while she's dead <laughs> which really could have happened
0: with the exception of the time that she's under um, that she's with deba forces um, mm. because he does intend to right but no her. one
1: just kills her while she's asleep
0: no and Severiath is always one step away yeah because yes he brings her, her to the king um but it's only part of a larger plan and he saves her from the dungeon mm-hmm. before she's publicly executed yeah. um yeah a lot of discussion of torture in this book mm. i really don't like i <sighs> I don't like torture. Bold statement. Um, I know. I'm sure you're all shocked shocked by this. (laughs) Whoa. I just, torture is something that's really hard for me to read about in fantasy books because it's happening in our, in our world on a very regular basis in our own country being perpetrated by our country. Um, And, so it's really, really tough for me to read about. This is one of the reasons I stopped watching Game of Thrones. Um, another hot take. That one's actually a hot take. I did stop watching Game of Thrones like three seasons ago um, because I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and even just the potential um, the potential torture that almost happens a few times in this book was a little too much for me to stomach. It was actually hard for me, um, especially because we're reading about a 17-year-old girl.
1: It's really grossly. Yes. And the cruelty that she comes up against is, is hard.
0: But something I appreciated is that there aren't threats of rape in this book. Yeah, um, even during times when she is with like, the cruelest of the cruel enemies, mm-hmm. um, there's no sexual violence threatened. I appreciated that. I also yeah, saw right. throughout the book that in this society gender norms are different. It's
1: true. Yeah. Um,
0: Because women are in, uh, are on the battlefield in many different roles in every army.
1: Yeah. That's Um, very true. I didn't even notice because it just felt so natural. I know. You're absolutely right. It
0: felt really good. I've been
1: playing a video game where it's the same sort of thing. So maybe that's why. What video game? It's called Pillars of Eternity. It's a top down party strategy RPG um, made in the uh, tradition of Baldur's Gate independently made game the first one was kickstarter funded fantastic game everyone go buy it
0: check it out so i really appreciated seeing women
1: soldiers and advisors and
0: riders you're completely Um, right i liked it a lot and there wasn't um
1: there that might change in court duel i'm sure it will yeah
0: i think that part of that is um that the classes are very clearly defined in this society or in this kingdom at the very least. Um, and uh, the uh, like warriors and the peasants, the different roles are just like much more intermingled. But also there was this really cool moment when Mel is with Ara, the daughter um, of the the man and woman who own a farm, the one that the horse takes Mel back to and Ara is talking to Mel and saying, Look at my garden. I love thinking about sitting on this balcony and watching my uh, garden as yeah. I grow old. And but she says, Are you the heir? And she says, Yes. And yeah. doesn't try to hide her pride. Um, so there's no question that women can inherit property it's from their families yeah. um, without having to wed. So that's pretty cool. That also was a remarkable point, I thought. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we've already covered badass lady meter in a lot of ways. Um, I am going to give Mel her badass lady meter rating. And my rating is a big vat of stew that doesn't just taste like old corn and vegetables, <laughs> <laughs> but rather is sweetened with all the freshest herbs from the garden.
1: She just made like a little crab. Dance no, I was picking herbs. Oh, okay. <laughs> like pluck, pluck, pluck. Got it? Okay. And uh, my rating is the uh, bravery and strength that Grace's little brand new kitten just showed when he went behind a box that came out with a massive insect <laughs> clamped in his mouth freak me
0: out I left the room for a couple minutes so when I came back Madeline was upset and then showed me a video of my <laughs> kitten eating a uh, mayfly it was giant it was so big everyone's okay except the mayfly the mayfly is not okay it's definitely <laughs> I heard crunching <laughs> crunching and munching Gurgy, <laughs> oh. where do you come from just Gurgy. that's my badass lady meter rating <laughs> a Gurgy? just one Gurgy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm on board. While we're finishing up Badass Lady Meter, I also want to touch on our romantic realism segment. There is no romantic relationship in this book. Do you think there's a romantic
1: relationship between her and the the marquis in the next 100% one? 100%, I okay, think so. Yeah. But,
0: um I like that she that Mel's comfortable not being yeah. interested in a relationship um, and not being interested in, you know, not even that much. Like she's not even interested in flirting um, in dating basically. Um, And I like that people let that go. Um, You know, her friends, her closest friend mentions it and some other people in her life, but they don't force her and they recognize, I mean, God, this woman, barely a woman, she's 17. She's living, you know, outside on battlefields and in trees and in ravines and under ferns for months doing most of that while violently ill (laughs) with her ankle about to fall off. Um, So it's, it's not very, it's not conducive to romance. Yeah, I I know it's not (laughs) like you're going to feel sexy under the fern. Um,
1: Just want to get some sleep before you have to spend all the next day (laughs) running again. It's
0: one reason why the Hunger Games make me crazy,
1: <laughs> take a violent
0: turn into something completely different. But um, never mind, I won't go into this. We don't have to talk about the no, Hunger Games. I mean, Games.
1: you're you're totally right. Doesn't doesn't really make well, sense.
0: Well, Katniss fabricates the relationship so that she'll get supplies so that she can survive. But Peeta is genuinely like attracted to her doesn't during. not he like
1: the bake a bread that looks like her or something? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, <laughs> I don't think.
0: I'm just wishing now that like one of the entire movie adaptations was just like Peta baking different Katniss shaped bread,
1: like a gingerbread person, like all like, like gold. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Baby, this man me thank you. <laughs> um. Okay, <laughs> dialing it back. Where are we going? <laughs> Um, I do think that there will be a romance between them, but I like the hinting of, um, yeah, just her not needing a relationship to feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I also love that she doesn't care about what she looks like. Um, there's a passage that says she thinks about her appearance maybe for the first time when she's coming into
1: the kingdom, and she mm-hmm. knows she's going to be seen by the entire court. And, and um, the only reason she has long hair is because she hasn't cut it since her mother died. Like right. It's yeah, it's for an
0: emotional reason. Her mother always wanted her to grow it long. Um, yeah, and she likes being clean and having, you know, new clothes to wear, as every human does, feeling clean and, you know, warm and like you've been able to practice good hygiene Um, but she is not invested in looking feminine which I uh, appreciate as someone who doesn't always like to look feminine so I was into that too and I think if I had read it as a kid that would have really stood out to me and I would have appreciated it and also someone who had very long hair when I was young but did did my best to bind it away (laughs)
1: yeah the tightest ponytails in all the land ponytails (laughs) and braids yeah (laughs) um mom was worried that your hairline was going to recede
0: yeah she thought that my hair would mold too oh yeah because as soon as you got it was really wet i mean it it was not healthy it's funny because i've had short hair for about a year now and it's definitely the first time since i started you know taking care of my own hair so since i was like eight nine um that my hair has been able to just be without mm-hmm. being pulled back into yeah. constraints and yeah. i think it's appreciating it and
1: it looks great grace
0: oh, thanks
1: Gish. Gish. <laughs> she's
0: complimenting me <laughs> I don't know what this voice is. You know what like it's like time race for? Grace
1: slash lumpy space princess.
0: You know what it's time for? Pretend food. Yeah, yeah. Pretend food. <laughs> 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 We're like scatting about pretending.
1: Get that food, bring it in. Gonna drink some tea eat some and eat some stew. I Gotta eat some food.
0: <laughs> New theme song. Please excuse us. Um... For those who are new to the podcast, I don't know why I'm thinking this is one where we're going to get a lot of
1: new listeners, but. Yeah. <laughs> Grace is aspirational.
0: I had a, a great pretend food experience with this book. Oh, um, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I am so... I have such a violent inclination to drink tea. Violent. (laughs) Violent tea. I'm running through my apartment smacking things (sighs) out of the way. Where's (laughs) the tea? Damn it. Um, Sorry. There's just so much both curative and delicious herb beverage drunken throughout the book. And
1: I've actually stopped drinking coffee. So I've been drinking a lot of tea. Um, And...
0: Did I, you appreciate that Mel didn't like, well, she likes the way coffee tasted, but then she was like,
1: now I can't sleep, Yeah, ah. yeah I've <laughs> which been, is my experience too. I've been drinking black tea instead of coffee and also a, a lot of different types of tea and I feel so much more hydrated, so much more relaxed. Um, my hands don't shake. <laughs> That's a plus, I think.
0: I don't drink any caffeine, so
1: yeah. um, I and, haven't for about 10 years. And so. yeah, they call it Steep, which I love yeah
0: i mean the every different type of tea that they drink what's the one that well she has willow's bark to deal with her fever which doesn't taste good but it makes you feel like, like you're not aspirin dying anymore um the one that they have again and again is called i don't remember i don't know okay um also, Mel's descriptions of the various uh, alcohols that people yeah. give to her at different points to help, you know, get some life back in right, her, yeah. because she's basically just like an old dish rag through most
1: of the book. She's, oh, dead. Um,
0: it's it was an interesting decision on Sherwood Smith's part to incapacitate her so brutally in the first like thirty pages of the book. Yeah. She um, that's
1: when she gets bear trapped
0: yeah stumbles into the trap while well, she's looking at the stars Ugh, it was hard in that moment to not just be like Mel mm-hmm. it's yeah. the smoking gun not the smoking gun it's the, <laughs> um, the gun in the first act
1: Chekhov's gun it's
0: the gun in the first right. act yeah because they were talking about damn traps
1: because if somebody throws a gun at you in well, the first act that it's going to go off by the third
0: and that's all you need to know about theater
1: and check off <laughs>
0: um yeah so i really appreciated all the tea talk i am a big fan of tea um and uh, i can tea only talk. i can only drink garbled teas because i really can't have any caffeine or i just lose crazy. my mind actually lose my mind um and you find me shaking in a corner in the fetal position shouting at cats shouting at cats um so i love Peppermint tea. I love chamomile. Ruibos is actually caffeine free, even though it has a lot of great flavor. Um, some of my favorite teas. <laughs> this is just Grace time Grace, now.
1: Grace's tea corner. Grace is tea
0: corner. Um, But I, you know, was able to ascribe some of those flavors to the things that she was drinking. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. I was really, really into that. Um, I also, as we've discussed before, I both loathe and appreciate books that have the protagonist in, you know, food strapped situations for the majority of the book because you feel their hunger but then when they get that food it is it feels, so, it's so satisfying. good and yeah. something like the roasted potatoes and clear soup that she gets at the inn um just feels like a revelation <laughs> and sherwood smith respects pretend food she describes it she gives it the weight that it is due she's not at the level of a brian jacks or a um who's my other favorite uh
1: terry pratchett
0: Love Terry Pratchett, too. But he goes more in the direction of inventing food to the point where it's kind of hard to understand it's what it's really yeah. like. Yeah, it's a little too abstract. Yeah. Um, I mean, a Brian Jacks or a... Uh, a
1: I mean, there's a ton of great...
0: Oh, Gail Carson Levine is who I was thinking of, actually. In what book? Both Ella Enchanted and The Two Princesses of Bemar*.
1: I was thinking of Tale of Time City.
0: Oh oh
1: yeah 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 uh, I still haven't <laughs> been able to <laughs> sometimes I google butter pie just to see, <laughs> just if, to they've see if someone been else created yeah
0: so we should set up a google alert for butter pies yeah. something's going to come into There's our. a now certain one kind day. of
1: ice cream that I've been getting lately with um it's like cookie dough flavored ice cream and it has this huge ribbon of caramel in the middle and it makes me think of butter pie. so
0: does it have chunks of cookie dough
1: Yes. And it's and cookie flavor. dough flavored ice cream. And there's a huge like block of caramel in the middle. Wow! And I eat it. And then I eat too much and I get myself a tummy ache. My boyfriend says, why haven't you learned by this point how much ice cream you could eat without getting a tummy ache? And then I just say, whoa.
0: Nick, that's a good question. <laughs> I ask it as well. <laughs> what kind of ice cream is it? It's just pretty cheap. I feel like you don't want anyone to know. Like you're trying to keep the section stocked at your local Safeway. It's
1: It's a type of Dryers ice cream. Okay, thank you. It's only like four dollars for a quart.
0: You heard it here first, people. Butter Pie ice cream. Keep it secret. Keep it secret. Let's just rip them off and start our own line of fantasy ice creams. That's what we should be doing here.
1: Subscribers instead of Dryers. That's great (laughs) brand name. Just (laughs)
0: rip off another. That's how branding works. I've been in marketing for some time now, and I can (laughs) confirm that 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 is how you create (laughs)
1: subscribers.
0: Okay, look for Scribers at your local grocery store.
1: Except don't, because it's all for me. The
0: other food <laughs> I any. want to mention, um, I alluded to this in my Baddest Lady Meter rating for Mel, but it really stood out to me when she describes that they were eating thick soup that was tasting each day more of ground corn and stale vegetables and less of stock and herbs, because I can totally picture that. It's hyper-descriptive yeah. and hyper-gross. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like vegetable water.
0: It's just like a yeah, vegetable paste in water. Um I appreciated the stuffed breads that mm, she kept getting. Yeah. Bread stuffed with cheese and um I think there was chicken and trout. there was um, one that herb trout stuffed bread in. at one point, yeah. the savory fish stew that she <laughs> Did she chew? No, this is when she is just standing in the corner watching musicians play and there are two dudes eating <coughs> at a table behind her and she as far as I can tell, very obviously just stands next to their table staring at them while they eat, (laughs) hoping that they'll leave some food that she can pilfer from their plates. But they they eat it all. Yeah, (laughs) Eat quickly until it's gone, I think she says. Mm -hmm. Um, But she steals a pivotal meat pie and then throws wine (laughs) in someone's face so that she can escape.
1: Well, as she... Literally tells them all where she is in order to throw, to get Stu put on the gross duke and then steals his horse.
0: Well, she wanted to, um, he's a baron, first of all. <laughs> Me
1: too.
0: Respect de DeBegry for some <laughs> yeah, reason, even terrible, though he's a Terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Um, you know, she had to take a moment for herself. Like she had to show some kind of just marker of their revolt
1: yeah she had to have some sort of like, she had to she be so like secretive she, yeah.
0: and she had been in hiding and she needed to she's show going like,
1: crazy no screw you yeah and she got like half a meat pie for her efforts and then she's she, like, laughing absorbed. so <laughs> she's laughing so
0: hard and trying to get on the horse that she loses a bunch of the meat mm-hmm. pie but yeah you know you gotta laugh <laughs> you gotta laugh, you gotta laugh. <laughs> um and uh, then also some nice little fruit tarts that she has in her basket mm, after the family yeah. um, whose horse she steals and then accidentally returns. They do her a
1: real solid.
0: They're great. I mean, they do. They are, like, very obvious about being like, well, you get out of here. Yeah. We don't want to die. Yeah. Thank you. But, we you have know, a nice farm. Enough. They yeah, helped she's her a and now
1: they want her to leave. <laughs>
0: totally. I, that's kind of the attitude she gets throughout the Yeah. Book. <laughs> Um yeah so those were those were all the foods that I was into. I, I I always love it. I love a good moment when food plays a really important role in the story too and that's why I loved the Theft of the Meat Pie, The Wine and Stew and the Face yeah. and The Escape on the Horse. That's exactly how I want to show my displeasure with my ruler. So uh, okay. If our country progresses to a full on um, dictatorship situation, I, I will mean, be hey. I <laughs> will be out there throwing stew <laughs> in people's faces. And I can promise you that. Yeah. Yay. Do with the streets. <laughs> um, any other pretend foods of note?
1: I think it's everything. Yeah, the steep. I drink a lot of tea while I was listening to this book, but I always drink a lot of tea. so.
0: Last section I'd like to quickly discuss before we say goodbye to Crown Duel for now. Um, The magic in this book is really interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, Just the magical system in general, we don't get a ton of information about it because as we've discussed, this book, it's from Mel's perspective, first of all. And magic is a pretty
1: rarefied resource.
0: It is, especially for Talanth. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's not super familiar with many different... uh, Magical um, tools, I guess, is the best word for the things that people are using, the higher-ups in the armies. Um, basically, they have, uh, like, palantirs, I think. Yeah, um, like scrying stones. And they also have, uh, well, I think Mel has one that's old and kind of defunct, but they call them glow globes that are basically mm. just, like, um, magical lanterns, essentially. The fire um, sticks. The fire are sticks are rationed. pivotal. They're yeah. the reason why this society exists the way it does um and i think it's really interesting to frame the story with the discussion of what fire sticks are at the start and then they just kind of run as an undercurrent throughout the whole book but they're so important and every family only gets the same amount Mm -hmm. from the hill folks so no matter how rich you are you are going to have the same number of fire sticks as everyone unless you're like the king and you threaten people and take their fire sticks away Mm -hmm. in which case you're a jerk you're a jerk in which case you suck, um, jerk. And I really want to know more about the hill folk. Yeah. Um, if any of you out there, I, I know have more a, about the hill folk. If yeah, if, <laughs> if you're one of the hill folk, please get in touch. We want to interview you. Um, I, I, if show. you can email, I don't know um, how that works, but <laughs>
1: here we have to us with us today, a member of the hill folk who wants to talk about fire sticks. Yeah, and they, the I, king is misusing.
0: I'd love to ha- have an interview. So let us know. Um, but any other Sherwood Smith fans, um, if you know of one book of hers in particular that, that's discusses the magic at length, I'd love to check that out. Um, I'm probably also just still on a tempests and slaughter high from getting to learn so much about how magic within a fantasy universe works. Um, so I was left hungry for more, but I really appreciated what we did learn. And Mm -hmm. I thought that the system overall was really cool um mages are mentioned i think only once too yeah, it
1: seems like there are not a lot of mages mages
0: travel the world oh and give them chocolate which is yeah. one thing i forgot to mention um and mel's like suspicious of it at first and then is like oh it's good and the prince is like duh it's good it's chocolate <laughs> oh, that's true, or that's yeah. what he was thinking at least um <laughs> yeah so that was another uh, i think unique component of this mm-hmm. book and something yeah. that i really appreciate and, and kept it from being like a tedious battlefield book yeah because it's hard to go into something where like literally the entire book is about a conflict yeah. and we don't see what leads up to
1: the conflict it's so just the book starts and then we're in the conflict
0: i think it shows how talented sherwood smith is that she's able to get us to care about this um pretty quickly yeah i will say the very beginning of the book was a little tedious, a little hard to get through. Yeah. But then, as soon as they decide to go to war, um, and start gathering their forces together, yeah. Then I was things pick, pick up, it. yeah. And then they're going at a, a very fast setting. clip yeah. throughout the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I was really impressed by that, and that was unique. This almost feels like the middle book in a trilogy, mm. um, where it's all battling. Yeah. Um. Got point. that. Got that sort of two towers vibe. Yeah. So yeah, I was into it. Yeah, thanks again, Erin, for requesting this. Yeah, I really and enjoyed reading this. I hope we did it justice. Sorry, we're a little, little goofy this episode, but that's what you get when you come to Dragon Babies—potential goofiness. Come we will probably the... cover your request at some point in the future. Thank you. Over and out. So that's everything for Crown Duel by Sherwood Smith. If you have a book you'd like to request, please get in touch. Or if you have anything else you want to tell us at all, we, we love hearing from you. Um, so you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Hit up our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Our Twitter at dragonbabiespod. Or our Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast. And we will be there on the internet and here in our real life. But you can't come here. You
1: can't come to our house. (laughs) Um,
0: Please uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can reach more folks. That would be amazing. And, you know, let us know what your favorite kind of tea is, whether it's
1: fantasy. That's or a great idea. Real life. And also, please be vocal about your support for Madeline's Law Corner.
0: <laughs> One final request <laughs> for Madeline's Law Corner fans out there, if you exist. A quiet minority. <laughs> Grace doubts me. We must rise up. Um, like I mentioned, the I invisible. guess I'm I'm spoiling future episodes now, but uh, we're going to do a Robin McKinley book next. So any fans, if you're a fan of Sherwood Smith, I'm sure you're a fan of Robin McKinley. So very similar vibes. That will be out in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Thank you. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye.